and I believe the attendance this morning was 97, several first-time visitors, so we praise the Lord for that, and just want to go on record praising the Lord, uh, safe trip to Niagara Falls and back, I don't think I've ever made such good time, I know somebody was praying for us, so praise the Lord for that. Any other testimonies? Praise the Lord. Uh, Mariana, Lord, we want to thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for the new burgers that are going out. And Lord, we thank you for opportunities to serve you. Lord, we're thankful that you don't give up on us. We're thankful that your love is ever there. Your word is always true. And Lord, that as long as you give us life, you give us opportunities to serve you. Lord, we thank you for safety and protection each and every day. And Lord, uh, just want to thank you again for all the unseen things. How many times did we come close to an accident on the road that we weren't even aware of that you kept us safe? Lord, we ask, we thank you for all the things. And Lord, even in this praise time, if we could ask one thing, it would be, Help us to tune our minds to see your works, that we may praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Fristen, the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Galatians. Just going to look at one verse tonight, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. If you have not memorized this verse, I would suggest uh, that you do so. It is one of those verses in the Bible that just sums up so many, many things. Galatians chapter 2. And I've met a few preachers that say they quit every Monday morning. I've, I've never been like that. I'm where I'm supposed to be because I want to be here because it's God's will for my life. But I think all of us get to a point sometimes where we ask, how can we keep going? How can we just continue moving? And, and uh, uh, one of the things that uh, has always, always been a blessing to me about my sending church, Cleveland Baptist Church, is whenever we go there, uh, we have not attended services regularly at Cleveland Baptist since... 1990, I believe it was, uh, just a few years ago, and yet this past fall when we were there for uh, the Global Independent Baptist Fellowship meeting, it was seeing the same old people who were serving just a little older, but still serving the Lord and still being faithful. I remember one of the men, he had driven bus for 30-some years. He finally said, I'm going to retire and let some of these younger guys drive the bus on Sunday morning. But imagine every Sunday morning for 30 years getting in an old school bus and driving all through the streets of Cleveland. By the way, they get a little bit of winter there, uh, a whole lot more than we do here. And, uh, and, and just something. Now, our church hasn't been here 30 years yet. But I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm praying for is that 20 years from now, we're still going to have some of the same faces. Amen? Maybe a little older, maybe a little grayer. Uh, but that's okay. Because the alternative is you get to go to heaven. Amen? And so 
let's look at this verse. And this is Paul, and he is summing up everything that he has done in the book of Galatians to this point and kind of giving us actually a a little uh, foreshadowing of what is coming in the rest of the book. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by law, then Christ is dead in vain. If you remember the book of Galatians, he starts out by telling the Galatians, he says, I wonder why you have changed the message. He says, you've moved to another gospel, but I want you to understand something. There's only one gospel. And when you move from it, you move to a perverted gospel. And he gives a a very stringent command. He says, listen, if an angel shows up, Every time I read that verse, I think of the angel Moroni, who supposedly showed up to Joseph Smith. I think of the angel that was supposed to have appeared to Muhammad and and given him the Quran. I think of all of these people who claim that they have seen angels and heard messages from, quote unquote, God. And they're right. It's only little g, little o, little d. God's message never changes. And he tells them, don't change the message. We have a lot of preachers today who want to move into, uh, they say, I'm not changing the message, I'm just changing the method. Well, when you put a rock band on your platform, that changes the message just a little bit now, doesn't it? You're saying that worldliness is a good thing and we can use the world to worship God. That's a changed message because God never says that in his word. This idea of continuing in our service for Christ is in this verse. Number one, you have to have the right death. I am crucified with Christ. You see, there's a lot of people that understand that if you're really going to accomplish something, you've got to give up some other things. Uh, Our Olympic athletes, I mean, they literally give up their social life. They give up their academic life, many of them. They give up all of these things so they can compete. How many of you can remember one Olympic athlete who competed in the last Olympics. Can anybody remember a name? Uh, I'll tell you what, I surely can't. I couldn't give you one if my life depended on it. Uh, Did that woman that took steroids and lost all of her medals, was that the last Olympics? No, that was a couple ago, wasn't it? Um, And I couldn't tell you what her name is if if I, uh, you know, I just can't remember those things. You know why? Because they're not very important. I am crucified with Christ. It's not just giving up myself. It's not just giving myself over to 
be controlled by another. It is truly being dead with Jesus Christ. You know, New York City has a funny little law. Do you know that there is not to be allowed any vending machines in a funeral parlor? How many of you knew that was a law? How many said, what kind of stupid lawmakers would make such a law, right? Uh, But the simple truth of the matter is, who in their right mind would put a vending machine in a funeral parlor? Who's going to use it? Are you going to sneak out while everybody's crying and grab you a a Twinkie or a case of Ho-Ho's or drown your sorrow in a Coca-Cola or something? I mean, that doesn't make much sense now, does it? Dead people don't need things. If I'm crucified with Christ, what the writer is saying is, I have to be dead with Christ. Jesus Christ. Why did he die? My sins are paid for through his death. Amen. But how many Christians, how many people spend their entire life digging in the graveyard of forgiven sins? I've heard so many excuses and stories over the years, and I'm not trying to pick anyone out, would not pick anyone out, never have tried to uh, give a story. I've had people say, Pastor, you were talking about me. No, I was not. If I ever use an illustration, it's not somebody that's ever around or somebody that you would even know who they are. But I've heard so many people talk about, well, Pastor, I can... I can forgive them, but I can't forgive myself. Uh, Let me tell you something. Dead people aren't worried about forgiveness. Because they're dead. If we are truly crucified with Christ, guess what? My sins are gone. The whole reason Jesus died on the cross, he suffered death in my place so that I could be set free from the law and not serve Christ out of bondage, but to serve him out of love. Amen? If I have the right kind of death, I have put away the guilt of my sins under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? How many of your sins did Jesus know about when he died on the cross? All of them. In fact, that's what Hebrews chapter 6 is all about. If you can't believe that Jesus died for your sins, you did not have salvation You can re-crucify Jesus in your mind and in your heart a thousand times, but that's not going to get you saved. Jesus suffered once to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Is there any failures that you have failed at that God did not know about before you were saved? You know what? There's not a lot of pride in the casket now, is there? Now, some people have made attempts at it. I'm sure you've heard the story of the guy being 
he wanted to be buried in his gold Cadillac, gold-plated Cadillac. And they had him strapped into the seat. They were towing him to the funeral, uh, to the graveyard, and they were going to dig a big enough hole to put that Cadillac in him in the ground. And uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but somebody watched it go by. My wife's cringing here. I said, boy, that's living, right? Now, the guy was already dead. No pride on the way to the cemetery. By the way, you know, some people have more problems with success than they do with failures. If you've ever read the story of President Ronald Reagan, his dad, his father, was a confirmed alcoholic. And their family lost everything repeatedly because of his addiction to alcohol. But you know what? When times were tough, when they had lost everything, he had no problems with the alcohol. But when he finally got over the crest and paid off all the bills and got everything going and a good job and a future, he lost control and went right back to the bottle and lost it all again. Some people, success is much more dangerous than failure. But let me tell you something, if you're dead with Christ, if you're crucified with Christ, he has crucified your sins and your guilt, he has crucified your successes and your failures. There's nothing left of you. That will keep you going when circumstances would discourage you to your destruction or encourage you to your destruction. It can go either way. So I hope we get this first point here, and I know this is a familiar verse, but it's one that we we just need to think about. You have to have the right death. And that physical flesh, that old sin nature that dwells in you is worse than any monster created by Hollywood. I mean, uh, somebody said this once. I don't know if it's true, but if you're really going to kill the monster, you got to kill it three different times. Uh, I haven't watched enough movies to know if that's true or not. But let me tell you how many times you've got to get the right death. Every day. Jesus said, how often are we to take up the cross? Daily. We're getting ready to go into the tabernacle. The fire on the brazen altar was to be burning wet. How? Continually, it was never to be put out. They tell us, and Jewish tradition confirms this, that that God himself started the fire on the brazen altar at the foot of Mount Sinai, and it was not put out until Nebuchadnezzar's armies came almost 800 years later and sacked the temple and destroyed it. That fire was ever burning on that brazen altar. It's a picture of the death of self. The consuming of who I am and what I want so that God can put in me what he wants. I hope you don't mind me repeatedly bashing this book 
the purpose-driven life, but it just needs to be bashed. It is Christianity turned inside out. It is paganism wrapped up in the, ver- in the skin of a Bible verse. God does not want your desires written into his word. He wants his desires overwritten in your life. It's the antithesis of everything the Bible says. That's why we reject Mr. Warren and his new philosophy. His next step, he's working on a purpose-driven country in Africa. Uh, He is... uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's the country of Malawi. Pray for Brother Cassidy. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Actually, it's Rwanda. Uh, the president comes and visits him regularly and gets taught there and all of these things. Listen, you've got to have the right death. And as long as you're letting yourself and your ideas live, you're not crucified with Christ. That. Jesus died once. You have to re-crucify yourself every day until Jesus comes back. If you'll do that, guess what? You'll keep living for God. If you don't, that horrible fiend crawls out of the box and begins to take over, doesn't it? That deceitful, that desperately wicked heart cannot be put away until Jesus Christ does it. And he will when he escorts us from this life into the next. But you have to have the right death. Now let's read on. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Okay. You have to have the right death. Well, let's get the right life. Amen. My body still lives. Jesus, in a spiritual transaction, counted his death as my death. Death is what sets you free. It's the penalty of the law. He said, nevertheless, that body is living on. He said, nevertheless, I live. He says, yet not I. Why not me? Well, the real me inside's been crucified with Christ. Amen. Let's keep it dead. It says here, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ liveth in me. Tonight is our prayer meeting. In a few moments, we're going to pray. Uh, I hope you like the way that we've changed the prayer list where we just cover one section of our prayer list. It gives us more time. In the second uh, Sunday night of the month, we have dedicated to pray for the families of our church. And uh, we need to pray one for another. Amen. And you know, it wouldn't hurt for you to get out that list some other time than prayer meeting night and go over it. Amen. And, And remember the families of our church and the needs. It says... But Christ liveth in me. How many of you end your prayers in Jesus' name, amen? That's a good way to end a prayer, is it not? How many of you know the connection between praying in Jesus' name and having Christ live in you? 
what you're really saying when you pray in Jesus' name is you're saying, if Jesus were right here standing in my shoes, this is what he would be praying for. We better be careful how we say in Jesus' name, amen. Maybe it wouldn't be something that Jesus is praying for. How in the world are we going to keep this in mind? I think I've given this illustration before. How many of you remember when Dr. Art Wilson and his wife Elaine were here in the year 2000? That was a while back. Brother Wilson's been with the Lord for eight years now. Almost eight years. And uh, Mrs. Wilson, uh, when we drove to Heartland in January, we stopped in. Uh, Brother Marshall and I, she didn't remember Brother Marshall, but she still remembers me. And uh, she said, she told me on the phone, she's 93 now. She said, now you call me before you come and remind me who you are so I don't forget. (laughs) But one thing I'll never forget that I don't believe I will anyway was something Mrs. Wilson was taking me for a ride in her car. And as we got into the car, I saw her moving things around and I said, you know, Mrs. Wilson, I'm going to sit on the side. This was the old cars with the seat that ran all the way across. And she was moving things around in that middle seat. She said, I always make a place for the Lord to go with me when I drive. And I was just, wow. That is what this is talking about, Christ living in me. How many of you can honestly say, that I need to keep Christ more in mind in my work. My hand goes up first. How many of you have ever really been frustrated? If Christ were actually living in you and you were doing your work through the power of Christ living in you, would you be frustrated? No. So we need to get a little more Christ living in us. That's what this verse is talking about. You see, I got to get to right death. The reason I get frustrated is because I cannot do what I want to do. Isn't that right? But if I'm dead, then there's nothing left that I want to do. And if there's nothing left that I want to do, then Christ gets to do what he wants to do. And I can end a lot of frustration. How many say, I need this message tonight? There's a lot here. If you're going to keep going, you've got to die right. You've got to get to right death. The world is full of people who do things to themselves. Some people... They look in the mirror and they scream at themselves because they hate themselves. That's not the right kind of death. Other people pay money to sit in a group and curse at one another. It's called therapy. Uh, I question that definition. Uh, It's like some of this music. That's out there. I mean, it just shows the stupidity of mankind. You actually go to the store and you pay money 
to put something in your CD player or MP3 player of some guy cursing at you and calling you names. Uh, That's what this hip-hop music is. Now, where I came from, if somebody cussed at you, you got in a fist fight with them. I'm sorry, that's just the way I was raised. You didn't, you didn't let people curse at you. And now people pay money to have someone curse at them. I like the Bible's kind of life, amen? But we have to have the right source or the right motivation. The life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you could not take care of yourself? You could not pay your own bills. Maybe you were so sick that you couldn't even feed yourself and all. You had to have someone else take care of you. Most of us have been there at one point or another in our lives. Where our living depended on another human being. Scary thought now, isn't it? How many of you have ever had to lay down on that gurney and they get you all kind of... and? You know that when you go into the operating room, that guy's cutting holes in you. Uh, I don't like that. I've been there a couple of times. And uh, it is not a pleasant thought. And they, I had had surgery several years ago, and they had just had a big scandal at the hospital where the doctor had operated on the right patient but in the wrong place. And had done some horrible things. And so I'm laying there and the surgeon comes in. He says, hey, how you doing? He said, I bet you feel kind of fuzzy. He said, now is it the right side or the left side I'm supposed to operate on? Don't do that to me, doc. He said, don't worry, don't worry. We got you marked up. Somebody come in and painted iodine on the right spot. But uh, I'll tell you what. That's what this faith of the Son of God means. You see, that little word of means that the faith doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. That if the faith belongs to Jesus and it doesn't come from me, well, then I am dependent upon him and I've got to go to him to get to faith, to live the life, or to have Christ live in me. Do you see the connection here? You see, some people think that living by faith is some mystical, magical thing. It's not. How do you love your enemies instead of hate them? Well, I got to go over to Jesus and get the faith that it takes and appropriate it to my life. Now, how do I get that faith? Faith cometh by and hearing by the word of God. 
So if I'm going to have that faith that belongs to Jesus, I've got to go get it from him. Is he going to withhold faith from me that I need to live the life that is Christ in me? Absolutely not. This is one of the greatest promises in all the scripture if we'll just grab a hold of it. But if I'm not dead, there's no room for that faith to be brought in. Because my wishes and my plans and my hopes and my desires fill my life so that his faith won't fit. That's why I must first have the right death. To be crucified with Christ. My sins are paid for. I'm not living in the past. My successes or my failures are his. They're not mine. So therefore I must move forward for him. I am dead. The body, the heart still beats until Jesus is ready to take me home. But the life that I'm supposed to live is supposed to be Christ living in me. Now, we've been through this before a couple of times. One of the world's funny little sayings is, what would Jesus do? Don't ask that question. Because you can't do what Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. You can't do that. Jesus opened the blind eyes, made the lame to walk, healed the sick. Jesus forgave the sins of the woman taken in the act of adultery. You and I can't do those things. It's what would Jesus have me do? What would Jesus choose to do through me today? Amen? There's a big difference between those two statements. But if I'm going to accomplish what Jesus wants to accomplish through my life, guess what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to go to him and get the faith. That means I've got to be listening to the word of God. You know one of the best places to hear the word of God? Church. Amen. That's why the preacher preaches. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. But you know what? We have faith promise missions giving. You're not supposed to just think of that during the missions conference and then say, and then we have our missions conference in November and we give you about six, seven weeks and and once January gets here, okay, it's all decided. I don't have to worry about it anymore. If you don't have to worry about it anymore, is it faith promise? What you're doing is you're promising God by faith what you're giving. And so we need to keep that in prayer. Amen. How many of you know some person that's on your mind and on your heart that you'd like to see get saved? How are you going to witness to somebody so they listen to you? By faith. It's the only way it works. How many of you are dealing with some horrible situation in your life? How are you going to deal with it? Uh, I better go get faith. Because it's the faith of Jesus that is active in me and this brings me back to the beginning. It says, And the life 
which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I like Brother Nielsen's definition of discouragement. It's forgetting who Jesus is. You forget about God's love. Let me tell you something. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to run out of faith. You put out of your mind the fact that Jesus loved you enough to die for you on the cross, that he paid for every sin. You're going to get discouraged and quit. That's why you need to constantly remind yourself, hey, I have to have the right death. That happens every day. I have to have the right life. It's got to be Christ living in me. But the motivation for that life has got to come from the faith of Jesus Christ. The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what I'm praying for faith for? I'm praying for faith that God will give me enough wisdom to figure out how to get that steel up Tuesday night. Amen? Because I want the baptistry to be used. And I've got all kinds of ideas running around in my head, but I only want the good ones, all right? And so you need to pray that God will give the wisdom to get this thing done and done right and done in a way that our architect and engineer go, yes, yes, this is good, we like it. Uh, otherwise, you've got to tear it apart and do it again. Not looking forward to that. But you say, you say God really cares about putting up that support in well, if we don't get the support put up, we can't use the baptistry. And I think the Lord's kind of concerned about people getting baptized around here. Amen? The Lord cares about every situation in our life. But we got to get there by the faith that belongs to the Son of God. We must remember, He's the one that loved me. Brother Mike and Miss Kelly, they're going to see some pretty hard trials on deputation need to pray for. It's not fun. I didn't tell them all the dark side of living in a motorhome. But I'll tell you with this, keeping your family with you on deputation outweighs any problems you're going to face. You got to be together. Uh, I know some of these missionaries, they don't see their wife and kids for weeks and months at a time. Uh, I know that God wants us to be busy and efficient, but I'll tell you, he also wants us to take care of our families. You can't do it if you're not there. So pray. I am crucified with Christ, the right death. Nevertheless, I live the right life, but Christ liveth in me. And the right motivation and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If Jesus was willing to die on the cross for your sins, what more wouldn't he do? What problem do you have that's bigger than that one? Let me tell you, it's none he wants to give us the kingdom, the Bible says. Do you have this verse 
in your heart. Ask God to give you grace to live it each day this week. And until Jesus comes back, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the fact that you did die for us. You gave yourself the price for our sins. Lord, we ask that we would be reminded often this week as the pressures mount and as things happen that we would just maybe even stop right then and there and go back and get the right death. And that we would live the right life and we would have the right motivation that we may serve you your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish our time tonight, I want to give you an opportunity just to slip out and spend a few moments at an altar if God has spoken to you. And then we'll get into our prayer time.